0: This is the Leadership and Insurance podcast, brought to you by Finpro Search Partners. Insurance companies are businesses and they need to look for the long term and be sustainable. We went from zero to one and now it's
1: going from one to a hundred.
0: Insurance is, as a concept,
1: as a kind of service, is brilliant.
0: The execution is what we're looking at now.
1: I think the companies that are going to succeed are the ones that are going to understand and master the art of intent.
0: When we talk about innovation, we lean too heavily to think about technology and we don't think about creating a culture of innovation.
1: I think innovation is essentially continuous improvement of existing processes and platforms and product, right? It's got to be easy, it's got to be seamless.
0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Emerging Tech series of the Leadership and in Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Savage, and this is the podcast where we speak to technology founders, executives, and leaders from the world of Insure Tech. And today I am very lucky to be joined by the CTO of Alicia Insurance, Richard Arnold. Richard, welcome.
1: Thanks, Gavin. How are you doing? I'm fine. Sun is shining. After weeks of rain, so I'm happy.
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, pleased to say the sun is shining in the in the UK over here. Just for the listeners, um, where are you calling from?
1: I'm calling from uh, Holland, Rotterdam to be precise. Rotterdam.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. We have quite similar weather, so it seems like a fitting theme at the start of my podcast that we speak about the weather. But we. Uh, we have many highs and lows in the UK but um yeah it's, uh, it's sunny but but super cold here in the UK so but I'm pleased to say the sun is shining through the window here so it's a good sign for today's podcast
1: don't get used to it <laughs>
0: no no we don't we don't get too comfortable here in the UK with the weather but um like thank you for uh, for joining uh, me Richard I know we've had this in the in the pipe for for a few months and it's been a super busy time for you and the Alicia team. Um, You're just mentioning off-camera, you're in the midst of launching some new products and features. So again, I do appreciate you coming on. And and before we get into everything that we're going to discuss today, um, a great place to start, as always, would be if you could introduce um, yourself formally and um, including in that, I guess, a really interesting background um, from yourself, I think. It would be great for the listeners to hear about how you got into technology as a whole. And how you navigated into the world of insure tech with alicia
1: sure uh so i'm uh, richard uh, co-founder and cto of alicia 43 years old um born in rotterdam currently living and working in rotterdam um, and i started my uh tech career i think uh well for sure during my uh my teenage years uh I kind of fell in love with everything that had a, a screen and, uh, and some buttons on it. So I was very interested in uh, in that kind of stuff in the hardware and software uh, in my younger years. And uh, when I left uh, high school, I went to study uh, computer science, but in combination with uh, business administration. So I had a fascination of uh, what could tech do, processes, and what uh, how to improve businesses with that. I grew into that. Um, approximately 2000, 2002, I uh, started uh, my first own business. It was around the time that online software websites uh, was kind of an easy uh, way of, uh, well, get some jobs. So some friends of mine, um, they were working at the as a volunteer at the local hockey club, field hockey club, that is. And they asked how, to, how they could manage the number of, of members they had. So you have the, the treasurer and um, the chairman having different sets of data. Um, so that was kind of used to putting some data online, creating uh, uh, like portals. Um, so I did that for that particular hockey club uh, together with a, with another good friend of mine and uh well long story short that ended up to grow out to uh, to be a niche SaaS player in the field hockey in the Netherlands. later on after many years uh we transferred that concept into the tennis world in in over here in the Netherlands. uh so i did that uh, for quite a quite a while and i um, i quit that business in 2018 uh which was also the time uh, that i um had some drinks frequently with uh, Marijn, our other co-founder and uh, the insurance brain of Alicia. Hmm. Um, and uh, well, he knew that I was uh, sitting on the bench doing nothing. My youngest son was just born. So I had some uh, quite a lot to do uh, back home. But nevertheless, he started some discussions with me about his uh, challenges within his previous business, which was a traditional insurance broker company uh, specialized in uh Uh, Business-related insurance products. So uh, a lot of discussion about that, and he 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 asked a couple of questions. So how how would I approach uh, things like that? And he hired like three programmers to invent a new back office uh, with a lot of uh, great ideas in that plan. However, the execution was a little bit um, well. uh, There was not much like a business case or uh, like like any. Jira board or whatever so it was like freewheeling and uh, creative which is always good to start with but he asked me to join that project and see what I could do to add more value to it Um, well um, it ended pretty soon so within two weeks that project was was put to uh to hold um, because it was a huge project, a huge project and with a lot of ideas uh, and it took would took, take years and a lot of money to realize it. Uh, so it would got, get out of hand pretty soon if you wouldn't go back to the core and see what's really the goal. So during my previous career within the field hockey and the tennis world, I learned how to start small and uh, put things together if it grows. Right. So um, if, we, if I relate to the field hockey story, uh, we would go club by club at each club individually with a lot of attention, uh, with a lot of uh, cooperating with those uh, people involved with the clubs. Um, and so through the years, it became bigger and bigger. Uh, during those years, I learned how to deal with uh, data flows, how to link them together, how to get metadata from detailed data, etc., etc. et cetera. So uh, thinking back about my first career in building that business, um, I learned a lot of things I learned how not to do it. So that's uh, one of the first things that you learn when you mm. when you do something. When you get older, you you get a lot of experience about how to not do stuff. Um, but I did not remember from my first career that you have to start small and not uh, give big ideas to the tech teams and just let them execute it. And okay, we will speak again in about 12 months. You will not get what you uh, envisioned. And uh, so I explained that to uh, Marijn. And the uh, project was put a hold, uh, and that was the beginning of a lot of beautiful discussions so um that was actually the birth of uh of alicia mm. brilliant
0: thank you and um again, for the listeners, could you just explain a little bit more about what alicia are who are they and and um and what the overarching um mission- mission is sorry of uh, of alicia insurance
1: Sure. yeah so Starting all those discussions uh, with Marine, uh, I, for myself, I figured out pretty quickly that uh, having the tech knowledge that I built uh, over the years, um, compared to the tech knowledge in the insurance world, um, were like two different areas. So the insurance world uh, reasoned from traditional tech approaches, whilst I was working with API connections for, for many, many years already. And API was like a buzzword in the insurance business, uh, five years ago. So I felt, uh, well, on one hand, surprised to, to learn that, uh, outside my previous bubble, um, my experiences actually had quite some, uh, some value in another world, such as the insurance world. And I was fascinated by the, the level of, um, enthusiasm that was linked to the tech buzzwords five years ago so the insurance business was really already uh, ramping up for um, I think uh, transition phase yeah so and Marijn's previous companies like I just said specialized in business related insurance products so his frustration was okay so when I want to buy a bike or a a laptop or or name it I just said Get my phone, uh, press some buttons, and five minutes later, I have the invoice. I have uh, the time slot when it will be delivered to my to my house. Why isn't that the case with business-related insurance products? So there was a big gap in um, the service, the target group, versus the the way of uh, putting this kind of products on the market so you would end up with uh, a little bit old school uh, online flows that might uh, end up in filling in pdf forms or printing out stuff or having to make phone calls before you would get your your insurance coverage so that the main frustration uh, Marijn had was why isn't this world moving along with all the other uh, like e-commerce uh, with like a private insurance world stuff like that um, so that resulted in many, many uh, interesting um, discussions, and we decided to just start with one product. Um, the general liability product for freelancers was our first product because we think, uh, we thought, and we still think that uh, freelancers um, in in the Netherlands, but in Europe as a whole, maybe even worldwide, are potentially uh, extremely underserved in terms of insurance coverages so it's about awareness of that for example your private insurance product general liability product doesn't necessarily cover you when you do your work as a freelancer you will need another insurance product for that uh, so our our first feeling was we, you have to um, if you see that new target group freelancers, they move from one job to another, from one profession to another profession, which is not combining very well with the more traditional insurance products. So we wanted to make them flexible, make them uh, accessible, uh, clear, straightforward. So no, uh, how do you say that? No, not a lot of obsolete coverages, but just this is what you need. This is what you get. Uh, Straightforward language, straightforward pricing, Focusing on uh, the underserved target group uh, with the whole spectrum of uh, of products—that was our goal. And then you have yeah. to start somewhere.
0: Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so much to get into uh, there. One one thing that you said uh, which resonated with me when you were having the conversations with your co-founder was, you know, we need to we need to start small, and you know, grow organically and you were really you and your co-founder Alicia were started at a time in, in insurance and ins, where insurtechs were that were in that first bracket of wave of innovation you know growth at all costs and do you think that's been I appreciate the market you're focused on is, is such a lucrative one and it's a space that needs such adoption of technology to really thrive and no one's People are now starting to crack it, yourself included. You know, at least you're one of the, the few that are really leading the way as an insured in the kind of professional indemnity freelancers market. But do you think over and above that, you know, the, that, that growth mindset that you've maintained from the beginning, grow very modest, grow sustainably, do you think that's been a testament to how you guys are
1: still here and and, and, and thriving? um i would say yes uh but also because it suits us so if you do stuff that do, don't suit doesn't suit yourself um i think it's hard to uh to do it for a long time and uh i think one of the advantages coming for well, for me coming from uh pretty decent amount of years of tech and as marine coming from uh, 20 years of insurance um i think you know that setting up Uh, such a business as Alicia is not a short-term game. It's like Mm -hmm. uh, you will need a vast amount of discipline and patience. um, And by the way, also a very good reputation within the insurance world. You cannot mess things up uh, because you you have to work together with uh, incumbents and with risk carriers that we work with. Um, they have to follow you know you cannot be a science fiction story uh, led by a couple of cowboys you will have to respect the 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 profession like uh, so you have to respect the 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 existing uh, field uh, in order to get them along with you so that takes uh, patience and uh, vision yeah so i'm pretty sure Start starting somewhere, you have to build up slowly. You have to start with the things that you know and uh, layer for layer uh, build upon that. Um, So Mm -hmm. we we, coming from the business of tech and insurance uh, uh, made us realize that you will have to build a strong foundation that has to be very solid and you have to take your time for that. Um, Me from the tech perspective and uh, Marijn from the insurance perspective and we totally agreed on that. So it's not only... Knowledge about the business, uh, but it's also something that suits us very well. Mm.
0: And it's really that perfect blend of uh, technology enabled capabilities to bring something like that API development to the insurance space, but also coupling it. So, as you kind of said, you know, it doesn't work if you just try and roll up to the insurance companies with some sort of science fiction off the wall technology and say, this is going to. You know, improve your operations or your service often that you've been doing for hundreds of years, but we just know that. And it's and it's three technology professionals that have never been in insurance. It's kind of like, well, you're telling us how to do something that we've been doing for hundreds of years, whereas that perfect blend of being very much an ecosystem aggregator of 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 the insurance space, partnering with carriers, partnering with brokers, and and being patient with them. Again, on top of that modest growth, um clearly seems like it's been, you know, a great move um straight from the off um, and Alicia.
1: Yeah, I I think so. Looking back, um um I have zero regrets of uh every now and then uh slowing down the pace to build up more mm. more solid layers in the business. And uh you have to it's not only tech, it's like you have to uh so we are also an MGA, right? It comes with a lot of um uh, a lot of fun, I would say uh you have to do quite some work to to maintain your license to operate as an m g a and if you go too fast and if you build up uh like uh gaps in your data or uh if you uh break in uh, bad business bad products uh i think you're not there for the for the long run no hmm. and and kind of moving
0: on to i guess the the market that is um freelancers gig economy small to medium enterprises um it's it it's still it's quite staggering to me how how still underserved the, the the community is when it comes to business insurance you know many legacy providers fail to offer digital friendly streamlined competitive offerings and and you know you look at I mean how can we explain that when the number of freelancers has doubled across europe in the uk in the last 10 years you know it just doesn't and and the market cap is somewhere in excess of three to four maybe five billion um euros like so i just for me it's it's quite um it's very interesting but also perplexing as to why it's still underserved like what? why do you think that is
1: um well what we see is that uh, freelancers um they, there's quite some products for them, right? So um, you would have uh, personal insurance products that have been like uh, tuned up to freelancer products or uh, SME products tuned down to freelancer products. But the, the basic layer of those products are not uh, like uh, written from scratch with the freelancer in mind. And uh, no. so they were invented uh, quite a while ago and building on that base, you would try to, to service a new uh, target audience that's moving uh, more online, more flexible than the target audience was when the, the base layer of the product was uh, invented years ago. So, and I think we started from scratch, uh, being an MJ, we had the freedom to start to, to write our own policies, policy conditions, create our own products. Um, and they were really set up with the freelancer in mind So it's not product centric uh, approaching, it's a user centric approach. Mm -hmm. Like uh, like we do in tech, it's like user centric. And um, I think that's a big difference. Also products for freelancers, uh, so freelancers move more online, right? So they, like a decade ago you would call around or go to uh, network uh, uh, events to get your new job, maybe even longer than 10 years ago. But nowadays you will go online. There's many, many platforms. There's many, many uh, gateways to work. Uh, so if you're a freelancer, you wouldn't think of uh, going uh, to uh, the offline network events before checking out the the several hundreds of sources of online, online sources of jobs. Uh, and I think moving... This movement online, uh, I think the insurance products that freelancers need didn't necessarily move along with them into that online world. Uh, so Alicia mm. does embedded distribution, B 2 B to C, and that means that we are there. So if they uh, go look for that next job uh, on the platforms, uh, chances are pretty pretty high that you will you will see our products. And that's, uh, I think, the trick. Uh, we make it more accessible and more easy to buy these products because nobody wakes up with the feeling uh, today is the is a great day because I'm going to buy an insurance product. Everybody feels it feels like doing your homework, doing your taxes. Yeah. So, uh, and if you would have to call to an insurance company or go to a uh, online environment that's not up to your to the standard that you have gotten used to uh in your whole life i think doing your homework uh well if you have the slightest reason to do it later you will probably do it later but if we make it as easy as convenient and as accessible as possible uh, i think uh, that's how you service this target group mm. yeah. yeah
0: what what a great day that would be what a win for insurance that would be if people actually woke up and thought today is a great day I'm going to buy insurance. Yeah, that's <laughs> that not the business we are in. No. That would, that would be uh that would be a turning point. Um but it, it's for me what I'm kind of wondering as well because you're right the way that freelancers have moved in terms of uh where the operations are happening it's within from what I can see anyway and and, and you know you you can provide more of a an in-depth view into that but you know tech and data you know art and design marketing and and comms you know yes business services management consultants but that's always kind of been around but the the kind of aforementioned are the ones that have have rose to the top for me in terms of freelancers particularly you know developers you know data um, experts like someone coming in where where do you think the gaps are for you know a, a software engineer that's a freelancer that wakes up and decides he needs insurance like where are the gaps there and why why are they not covered to the extent that they should be
1: you mean the insurance protection gaps yeah yeah exactly well uh in terms of uh so use you, your example developers like uh tech people um mm-hmm. they might be under aware of uh, the products that are available for them so you everybody knows by now or if you're a little bit ex- experienced, um, you know that general liability is something that you really need, right? Mm. Um, it's a cheap product and it's a, like a no-brainer. If you're a freelancer, if you have your own business, you should have that product. Yeah. Um, but consultants and uh, tech people, um, they are, should really consider having a professional indemnity product because you can make mistakes in your job so you can make uh, if you're dealing with numbers or financials in your software in your development and you you make a miscalculation and the business that you're working for is uh is uh, is basing its strategy on the reports that your software is making uh well that's probably a case in which you uh feel pretty comfortable having a professional indemnity product in order to to buy that you have to know what it is you have to understand what it is and what it what what which risk it's it's covering for you Uh, so i think creating awareness in for example the online environments where the freelancers get their next job uh is, is step one so you will have to clearly explain what kind of products are available for you as quickly as possible right after you have defined what your daily job is within the current uh job that you're doing uh, I think you should immediately see uh, these products are available for you, and what do they protect you against? Mm.
0: And and in order for that, in order for that to be the case for someone coming on and and with as you say no knowledge of of where to go, I think that that feeling you know from a, a direct to consumer or you know you maybe refer to that as B two B because. It's, you know businesses as such even though it's an individual but you know even when I took out life insurance we were saying on my call you know I've said this a few times throughout the podcast that I had even just from a life insurance perspective I had really no idea where to go I kind of went onto Google it was all about overwhelming I typed in life insurance and all these big carriers come on and you know it's just that lack of having a marketplace to look at and have real personalized information to to work from that's that's suitable to your situation. But you know, the market that you guys are in, i.e. freelancers, general and professional indemnity, it seems like building the tech from scratch is, is really the is really the, the the key there as opposed to maybe maybe opting to buy some pre existing technology. But that option to build from scratch at Alicia mm-hmm. Seems to have really set you apart, you know.
1: Is that do you think? Do you think that's the case? Well, first of all, you're probably not asking the most objective one because I'm. Uh, I feel very comfortable <laughs> with uh, building uh, our own platform. So yeah. I, uh, so the, how do you say that? Like it, it wasn't for me. It wasn't a very tough decision because in the existing uh, uh, world, the existing insurance business you would have legacy software, right? That makes total sense. That's not a surprise. Uh, legacy software that's pretty hard to connect to uh, cloud-based, uh, like uh, good qualitative user journeys. Um, it is... So the, the the speed of innovation would be very hard to combine with an existing piece of software uh, uh, as a backend. And also I've investigated... Um, quite some new newer uh, solutions, but feeling comfortable as a whole with software development, um, I thought it would be pretty smart to do it ourselves because I think it, it, it creates the, the greatest value. And so we are in the business of keeping things as simple as possible. The insurance business is very complex. There's people with vast amounts of knowledge about for example, liabilities or uh, accident coverages. So there's a huge amount of knowledge, and there's also a tendency to to use a lot of words. Uh, and you'd have to look through the the amount, the big amount of words, to find what's the, what's the exact core of what we're talking about. So that was an inf- interesting journey in insurance product wise to find out what's the the exact core of an insurance product and how are we going to explain that to a normal user like you, like me, like uh, any freelancer. Mm -hmm. So find the core of the information that you want to transfer. And we do the same with with our tech. So we do not create uh, 100 buttons for you when you buy your insurance product. We just minimize the uh, amount of uh, interactions that you would need to buy a product. And also, like you said, your, uh, it's, uh, your example, life insurance, you would go to uh, marketplaces and you would feel overwhelmed by the information and the variation of products that you would get. I think that's where our embeddedness uh, comes in. Uh, so as a freelancer, as a member of one of our target audiences, you would uh, feel comfortable doing your banking business with your with your bank. You've been with that bank for years or with your bookkeeping software, you've done that uh, for years with that particular piece of bookkeeping software. And if that bank or that, that bookkeeping uh, software would uh, would add uh, like a co-branded uh, insurance, set of insurance products in the existing environment, I think you would feel pretty comfortable to ex- extend your uh, your relation with that bank uh, with a couple of insurance products within that same bank. And I think mm-hmm. that's the trick, that you do not have to investigate what kinds of products are there, uh, what kind of different coverages are there. No, you feel comfortable somewhere uh, and you get that. Uh, so you have the the comfort of getting the, the the products just in the right time on the right place. Uh, and I think that's uh, that makes it way easier for the average user so and our tech started from scratch um having said that we try to keep our insurance products as simple as possible it sounds maybe a little bit cheesy but uh, it has a it really has a deep meaning to keep insurance products simple right Um, the same goes for our user journeys but if we create user journeys we we create them totally user centric so we uh, we use like uh, uh, stuff uh, like uh, methods that are totally normal for years in e-commerce world but are n- totally new in the insurance world so we measure what uh, we so we measure everything that happens in a uh, in a funnel in order to keep optimizing it so you want to see if a product like a life insurance product it takes like 4 minutes uh, we see that the different steps the user takes, they take an average of uh, five seconds. And then all of a sudden one step takes one minute, which is uh, like an interesting piece of data to analyze. How how can we reduce that? How can we increase the comfort level um, and decrease the, the time that's necessary to spend on buying such a product? So, yeah, it's like... Uh, I must say, if you ask, what's the advantage of doing it ourselves? I think one of the biggest things, in the, especially in the beginning of Alicia, is that we create our own insurance products and we create our own tech. And that is like a ideal situation. So tech can can steer the product a little bit and the product can steer the tech a little bit. And that's, uh, I think, the ideal combination, has been the ideal combination to start. Hmm. And, yeah, I mean,
0: totally... Um totally understand you know where where you're coming from it's an obvious decision based on the the market research you would do elsewhere i mean i think the idea of having everything white label and embedded it's api connected it's plug and play you know you're creating that funnel for the the ecosystem for your partners but the idea lots of lots of people would have thought about doing this and probably still do so it's it's now all about when we were discussing on our initial conversation, you know, that next wave of insurance, that execution part of offering this type of service. But, you know, this is maybe your secret sauce and you can't divulge this because someone else will go out and build another Alicia. But, like, what, what, why do you feel that like you guys have been so successful in in getting it right, you know, making it simplistic? You know, all the things you're saying are, you know, mm. very obvious to a degree. And, and as I say, API connected software embedded solutions, they're not, it's not cutting edge, you know, in terms of it's the latest thing that's been going around for a number of years, particularly within banking and fintech for the last seven or eight years. But why do you think you guys have just got it so right? Um, is it down to the team? Is it down to the, the blend of, you know, the knowledge between yourself and your co founder? Like, just kind of curious to get a, an insight if you can share.
1: Well, we, we challenge uh, ourselves. So uh, I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind is always that s- s- simple simplicity, right? So the the necessity to, to continuously try to make stuff simpler than they were. Uh, so we come from a complex situation and we keep making it simple, simple, simple. That also goes for uh, uh, like... A partnership. If you want to make integrations with a with a partner, they would probably not want to start with the the vast amount of API integrations that we have to offer. No, they would want to start with testing the cooperation and uh, testing the the target audience. Do they pick up the products? Stuff like that. Do they convert? Uh, and if you have that that layer of uh, uh, of validation, then you can build. Uh, and make the partnership more, uh, from a tech point of view, more complex and more integrated. Um, but I think it's, so also th- that's something that we really think along with partners. And I've already stated that we create our insurance products with the the end user, with the, uh, the, the policyholder in mind. But when we approach partnerships, we do the same. So it's like uh, we know tech companies, we know how tech teams work. They don't have time for uh integrations with partners they only have they mainly have time for core business um, mm. so you have to understand that and that that's also a matter of um understanding uh, uh and respecting what the partner needs uh do not try to push stuff through just make them feel comfortable with uh, the pace that we have and uh, and the level of expertise that we have so it is about being experienced and it is about being um um Partner centric, user uh, centric. It's all, you know. So, so it's like, if I hear myself explaining this, I, it's almost like a tech company, right? A user centric tech company, only with insurance yeah. products. And um, yeah, so we the ideal combination. Yeah, we have uh, if you say insure tech, it's like fifty uh, percent insurance professionals and fifty percent uh, tech professionals working together, but also challenging each each other on a daily basis on how to make stuff uh, simpler. Yeah. And in the whole process from
0: signing up to with Alicia to aftercare to you know at the point where maybe this freelancer deems that the most important part right through to claims like how much of an impact or how, how much um, consideration you know insurance as a service is clearly outlined on 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 your page on 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 how you how you come to market but again it's more about The execution how important has it been for you guys to get that simplicity and not just being aware of where you can get this insurance but from signing up to right through to a claim like how important has it been to keep that whole process simplistic because the claims part you know being an MGA can be very difficult to keep simple.
1: That's absolutely uh, true Um, we have pretty good cooperations with the risk carriers behind our products, right? So there's a clear understanding of what what Alicia does in terms of claims and aftercare as a whole Mm -hmm. and what the risk carrier does. And I think what everybody likes is that you're not, uh, we are not being Alicia centric or risk carrier centric, we are being user centric. So everybody understands that if you are in trouble Mm -hmm. and you have one of those situations that you rather not have and you need your insurance product, you want to be helped. And incumbents, they already are uh, pretty good in, in dealing with those situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you might say that for the business related insurances, that the, the, the user journey of going into a claim and uh, handling the claim is a little bit uh, it's like the same story. It's like underserved. So we try to fix that gap by uh, creating optimized journeys. That's like uh, a no-brainer. We are in the it's one of our you know core core elements is creating optimized user journeys but then have uh, experienced uh, user friendly people that do the do the job because you cannot automate everything it sounds great you have 100% fully automated claims handling but you must end up uh with a human touch because um you know it's especially in the business of uh, liability claims accident claims you don't want to fill in forms you just want to be helped and uh, so we have real humans that know their stuff that are experienced in the line of business and we have great cooperations with risk carriers that help us when it's needed
0: yeah and i think that's that's for me that's such an important part of the the process you know i believe the well, that my 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 favorite option would be for automation to be in the beginning. You know, for almost for me to not deal with a human in the beginning of signing up to a product because we don't need it. What I want to be able to do is put in information and put it in one time, might I add, not yeah, six or exactly. seven times and um, where the APIs come into play. Um, and then at the crucial point where I need the human touch is the claims process. And I think Boston Consulting Group did a, a survey Across Europe, of who would and in, in the midst of AI, the rise of AI and automation, how much? What's the preference in terms of would you rather deal with a human or deal with a robot? And and look, everything is a robot. Everything with the chip in it that is as as essentially a robot. But that having a you know an AI companion to pop up and and speak to you at the claims process. Um, this wasn't related specifically to insurance but you could factor it in to the degree that over over fifty percent of people taking that survey said that they would rather deal with a human even still regardless of how efficient the the bot was so you know I think in insurance you know leaving those those user experiences that those experts in that area for the claims process just makes makes a lot of sense and and would give the people what what they want when they need to
1: yeah so i think the question uh, uh if you ask the question differently uh you would get a uh, different race right so if you if you ask do you want to be helped by uh by something that's uh, that has the most knowledge of everything or uh, by a human then you would have different results in that questionnaire but ai it being in a regulated environment um ai is uh, it's pretty hard to uh to push to the front line, right? So we use AI uh, to support and to help our people to work more efficiently. Um, but we we are currently not considering putting AI on the front line and putting it in touch with uh, end users directly, be it on a buying journey or a claims journey, uh, mm-hmm. because the people that deal with policyholders with end users they have to have their certificates, their diplomas. Uh, and that has a reason, right? So you would have to uh, have human judgment and uh, human experience to even be allowed to uh, help uh, people. And uh, AI is not there yet. I'm pretty sure it will be there in a couple of years. Um, and then you will obviously reconsider. Uh, but now we handle, uh, so we treat AI like uh, if it comes to customer contact, uh, like uh, first line support or underwriting or claims I think you should approach it as a as an intern with a lot of knowledge just comes from school a very serious school but you would have to help the intern and you have to work together with the intern and make sure the intern uh, does the right things so uh, we are not putting it on the front line for sure not yet hmm. interesting yeah and yeah, I kept I
0: guess moving on from from, from that whole piece and, and just more of a kind of finishing area. I um you know your team is correct me if I'm wrong, largely all of based in, in Rotterdam, is that is that correct?
1: Uh the Alicia team as a whole, yes. Yeah. Um, if you zoom in to the the tech team, uh, we have a, a team in uh, Colombo, Sri Lanka. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, the tech team is uh, including myself. It's it's four in uh, the Rotterdam office, uh, and then it's like uh, six in uh, Sri Lanka, Colombo, Sri Lanka. Um, and that's so. When we started, um, we raised our first uh, funding, and the plan was to uh, to establish a solid team in uh, in Rotterdam. Uh, mm-hmm. That was my vision. Only the yeah. timing of uh, of that plan related to the market circumstances what a bit, was a bit off. So you would get, um, you would almost not get any people reacting on your um, vacancies or with pretty high uh, demands. So yeah. that plan didn't work out. We, we uh, So we started working with, a, with an agency, um, then tried to replace the agency with the continuity of, an, of our own team. That was in the really, in the beginning. Uh, but uh well long story short we we had a couple of plans and uh, ending up with a team in Sri Lanka wasn't our first plan it was like our third plan but um since day 1 um uh it yeah well the situation is that uh it is i think it is the best team i have ever worked with so as a whole the, the combination of Sri Lanka with uh the team in the Netherlands i think it's um, it's the best team that i've worked with and that's also because we we feed it with the right DNA. So you would have to understand how to work with developers. You would have to understand how to uh, give them input from different perspectives. So not just uh, give them technical briefings, but also uh, give them vision and why are we doing stuff and what's it going towards to uh, not only the quarterly roadmap, but also what's the feeling behind it? What's the reasoning behind it? Uh, so you'd have to you have to feed them with um uh, well, my vision. That's uh, so. I think. I think that's a serious part of my job to uh, to keep everybody on board of the bigger picture. So you know what your daily work um, means for the for the bigger picture.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting say and you know, this is this could be seen as controversial, but I don't think it is. I think it's just. I just think it's interesting that. As you know, you know, we are, at Finpro, we're an executive search. We hire senior leaders, but we do, but particularly with me being in technology, I'll do a lot of projects and team build-outs. And, you know, the the, the percentage that, that I see is definitely more 50-50 now. It was definitely more 80-20 in terms of fully remote businesses or fully remote mandates for engineers. Now we've, I've started to see that come. 50-50, maybe even slightly more towards being in on an office. And, you mm. know, I still think that for, for, for certain business functions, I get the in-person, but for engineering, I just think you miss out on a lot of fantastic talent. You know, it doesn't have to be in the best corners of the world in the US or Europe. It could be, you know, outside of scope, like Sri Lanka, for example, you know, as you say, it's not your first, second, it was your third choice. And and for you to say it's been the best decision or the best team you've worked with, I think is a is a testament to that diverse, high performing um, tech team that you can build if you go remote. And it just always begs a question for me when it, when I'm asked to do a search and, and it's for a software engineer, a senior, and it, I'm asked to find a person that is willing to come in five days a week or four days a week, and and you just limit the pool so much and the, and the question I always ask is why and the answer I always get is that we're we're building a great culture mm. and it's like well why can't you do that remote yeah. it's particularly within tech so yeah I don't know if you had any kind of uh, opinion or experience on that but the experience you first hand seems to be that you can build a great culture either way but do you think it's down to the business or I don't know it's just yeah. it's always something I wonder
1: so if I compare it uh, to my my Previous teams uh, were more hybrid, so you needs uh, more 50-50-ish or even like, uh, or I mean, like 70-80% uh, local and 20-30% uh, abroad. Uh, yeah. But I've practiced a lot with uh, remote workers uh, and hybrid teams. I think that helps that you know. So you all know your JIRA boards and your Atlassian tools. Um, you work with that for many, many years. It's like... Uh, like elementary school, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know your stuff, the tools. You know the stuff that you need to keep work uh, transparent, to keep work accessible for the whole team. So, from the beginning, uh, so I do this together with uh, with our uh, product owner. Um, we both felt from the beginning very comfortable with uh, working with a remote team. Uh, but I must say that I I think it's it has been very valuable to not just rely on. Uh, the recruitment and, uh, and the testing of a third party but be involved with the recruitment be involved with the testing of the people with the interviewing of the people uh, from, from from day one so you can already use your own DNA your own story and relate that to the tests relate that to the recruitment uh, and envision like uh, what kind of uh, skill set but also character set you want to you want to build your team with and uh, so i think that has been key to the one of the keys to this to this success obviously you always need some luck to have um, the feeling that you have to you work with the best team Uh, you cannot plan for that i think or maybe uh, maybe i did and i'm but i I think it's also luck so you go for quality you go for a vision and then you have some final element and that's luck Um, and i think we succeeded uh, very well yeah Mm. Yeah, I think it's interesting times
0: ahead. Um I've seen the shift. Um personally my belief is that better teams can be built remote, particularly within tech and engineering. Um but as I say, you know, I do appreciate that building something from the ground up sometimes does require that in person camaraderie. But yeah, um, I think in engineering and tech I'm I'm not I'm not too convinced by that. I think you get you get a much more diverse, high performing team and and you get mission driven individuals, regardless of how often they come into the office or not. Actually, I think exactly. for, for engineers it can be a detriment to um, being mission driven. But um, look I'm kind of conscious of your time, and um, you know I've, I've I've really enjoyed the conversation, Richard. But um, and that was a great note to finish on. So I just wanted to um, to thank you for giving up your time. I know you're a very busy man, and things are very busy, at Alicia. But it was great to have you on. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Gavin. I enjoyed it, too. Take care. You, too.